0: You know usually I like to impress myself by coming up with something funny, but I want to reserve that time to talk about the tough news item of this week, Matt Ray. Costco's yes. in Australia. What's the scoop?
1: um uh, it's it's shockingly shockingly like Costco in America. Uh, uh, they got yeah. the same Kirkland stuff. We got the uh, the the peanut butter pretzels, um, the massive thing of uh, raspberries. Um, they had a little more. Local produce, obviously. Mm. Can't
0: uh, like what but, do they have? Uh, like kangaroo cutlets,
1: baramundi. Uh We bought some vermundi um, prawns. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot more uh, Asian cuisine than than usual. Um, you know my my daughter was like maybe we should buy a 4 gallon thing of soy sauce and I was like no, nah, we're
0: good. <laughs> That's uh, actually that sounds was, like the kind was, of th- it wasn't
1: it wasn't 4 gallon it was
0: 8 liters. That that sounds like the kind of thing <laughs> what do you, what do you uh what do you got 8 months left that you're going to be like hauling back to America. You're like oh we got our 2 liters <laughs> of soy sauce left do we take it or leave it.
2: Yeah, can't get this in America.
0: <laughs> um <laughs>
2: So most important question: Did had the free samples? Should uh, should parents looking to occupy small children just like take them and let them try crazy foods that cost it, it, them?
1: It was exactly the same. I For mean, free yeah, there were the free samples. The kids had uh, some, you know, they had some uh, coconut smoothies that you know, we ended up buying. Um, they had little. Uh, uh, little pieces of of rolls, which we did not end up buying, mm. um, and and the classic Costco thing where uh, you buy the you you grab the bag of uh, bagels and you go to pay for it, and they're like, "This was two for ten dollars," and you're like, <laughs> "I'm not going back." <laughs> 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 so so, uh, needless to say, we did not end up with uh, sixteen bagels or twenty four, or whatever the count was. And right now,
2: does your Costco membership from the United States transfer over, or is there like, another it approval does. process, a different credit card? How, what do I have to do? So, so uh, I showed
1: my card at the entrance, but nobody really seemed to care. Um, but you know, that's kind of a Costco to Costco thing. Like they don't always, you know, they're not usually hard. Uh, no, no, Matt Ray,
2: right, that's Australia. They just, they just don't care, I, and and I like that for Australia, for everyone in <laughs> Australia.
1: Um, uh, you know, and they they scanned my American card. And, that's fine. The credit oh, wow. card, the credit card, the Costco credit card didn't work. But maybe I never turned it on. I don't know. But they let me pay with any kind of credit card uh, or uh, you know debit card. They didn't really seem to care. So payments a little different. Um, Australia's got you know different credit card systems. So uh, there's a lot less fraud covered by the the credit card vendors. Um, so yeah, it. Uh, all in all, it was disturbingly costco
0: well i have go okay. back i i have a few follow-up questions slash comments one okay one uh you know i'm on i'm on that whole low-carb thing so i have to i have to say the the bakery section of costco always a bit of a delightful mystery to me like a, did, but do, do they have special regional bread there what's what's the situation with first of all first of all in australia do they follow the american system of bread or are they closer to like the french system of bread you know, I and let me define that the American system of bread is like here's here's a uh, what what do you call a three dimensional rectangle? Here's the three dimensional rectangle of sliced bread stuff in a bag. Enjoy, and then and then there's there's always the uh, questionable tortillas you can get as well, and whatever the uh, the sort of like bread trend du jour is, whether it's like these flat little hockey puck things or maybe it might be a pita. I don't know. So that's like the American the the French system seems like here's a gigantic loaf of delicious bread. Go to town. Like doesn't come yeah. sliced whatever. And so like what's up with the Australians? Now I do know that at Costco if you go if you go to the section where they've got the uh not not the not the uh what's the thing that Proust wrote about? The uh the little French biscuits that you eat. Forget? No. No. Yep. Anyways, someone will know. Just write us a tweet. Tell us t- – Proust eats one of these and then he ends up writing like 5,000 <laughs> pages about his memories. A Madeline or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So next to the Madelines or Madelines in, in, in the American Costco's, they have something that's called like an Aussie biscuit. So like maybe that's what Australian bread is an like. An but, Anzac biscuit? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is. I've had them once. They're pretty good. So what is the Australian system of bread?
1: it's just like America. Uh
0: Phew.
1: you know, you got Good your your white, your wheat, sliced, um mm-hmm. unsliced. Uh they have croissants. Oh um Yeah, we bought some croissants. Okay, so that answers uh, that
0: very that question in the And cost- and, and uh-huh. Einstein Einstein Brothers bagels. Oh. So in the Australian Costco, bread s- bakery section is the same, right? Duck Pretty pork. much, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh oh hot cross buns though. Oh, one uh, a penny? Uh, two uh, a
0: penny. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah,
1: know what you're saying. <laughs> Only oh, they're they're far farthings.
0: Wow, wow. Okay, now the rest of mine. The rest of mine. Before we close this out, just some comments from my, my weekly visit to Costco this weekend. I got to go alone, which is just a delight. You know, instead of going with family, you can kind of go at your own pace. You can just take it all in. You can enjoy it. <laughs> we, uh, you know, my wife. My wife needed some, some new tires, and let me tell you. The price of tires nowadays are not the same price that they were back when I had a Monte Carlo. Tire prices have gone up significantly.
1: Oh, oh. Well, that that's actually quite different here in Australia.
0: Yeah? We spell it different. T-Y-R-E. Mm. Right, right, right. No one tires of spelling things wrong. That's, that's, that's what I think. Uh, to add some color commentary. I forget all the other ones. Anyhow, uh... <laughs> So, so, uh, but also while I was there, I noticed two things of note. One, the card checker at the door was holding a sign about there being fresh pizza, and I just would like to say for all the the Costco s- marketing strategists listening, I don't think you should demean your staff by making them hold a sign. We all know that you have got really cheap pizza. The pizza is delicious. We know where the pizza mm. is. We paid money to be here. You don't got to tell us you have pizza. Just let the staff person like stand there and smile and look at our little cards. So they need
1: the the big white hand hands and a spinning sign that says pizza. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah you know, that that jiggly tube guy who's always moving all around. He's my favorite. Also, up at the Cedar Park Costco, they have chili, which is interesting, new addition. Uh, the other thing I wanted to note I chili I've never noticed chili before. That, that you know at, at the uh, at no, the...
1: in Australia they did not have chili. Oh oh yeah yeah.
0: So we've got we've but, got that. But what? they they had the hot dogs and pizza. Oh, hot dogs and pizza. Yeah, and man, that pizza, hard to beat if you're into that kind of thing. So the second thing I wanted to note is that now I don't know if this is available worldwide, uh, as as it were, but uh, hold on. I've got to disconnect these Bluetooth headsets that keep trying to connect. I don't know if this is available worldwide, but I was looking around, you know, my leisurely pace, and they have a tower of sunglasses that are all polarized. And, they, and hidden behind it, at least in the Cedar Park Costco, they had some Ray-Bans. And they have turtle shell and black wayfarers and aviator sunglasses. And the, and the, the aviators are like uh, $120, which is about $60 to $100 cheaper than if you went to Nordstrom and bought polarized uh, stuff for yourself. So mm. much better deal.
1: Much better deal. Uh, yeah, I didn't check the sunglasses uh australia has got a lot of uh you know really really cheap sunglasses um i think they subsidize them through the the cancer council Mm. Uh, because you know they don't want people getting uh you know eye cancer skin cancer or whatnot
0: well you know
1: yeah so that's 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 my adventure i i did it for the listeners um like i said uh not sure i'll head back uh, it's kind of a kind of a long haul. on the suburbs, if you will. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, yeah, Costco in Australia.
1: Yeah, be sure to check out the picture. Yeah, it's,
0: it's a good one. <laughs> now let me let me ask this: Where'd you get that shirt, Matt Ray?
1: Oh, see, that shirt is is actually a good segue back into technology. Mm. <laughs> so that is a a, a very limited edition um, Habitat developer shirt. Uh, everyone who worked on Habitat before the launch got uh, so. Habitat, our, our software for building uh, you know, the contents of containers, um, has a depot for sharing things. And the name of our depot is Willem. Oh, um, I see. <laughs> so that is my Willem depot shirt.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> oh. It okay.
1: might be the only one in Australia,
2: as far yes. as I know. <laughs> mm. What's up? What's the latest with Habitat? Like, I mean, is it kicking ass? Like, what should we know? What do I need to know about it? What do you need
1: to know? Uh, I got a talk next week. At uh, uh, I'm working on content for Microsoft Ignite Australia. We're giving a habitat talk there. Um, It's it's going well. You know, people who uh, build a lot of containers, people who have kind of gone around the bend on the uh, uh, the whole uh, Docker Mesosphere Kubernetes thing, who are starting to feel the pain of of building containers and managing them. Um, You know, people with production uh contain, containers in production really like it. So uh you know it's it's steadily picking up steam. Uh we've got a couple of events going on. Uh maybe I'll get them into the mid roll. Uh you, you know just various docker hack days. It's uh you know it, it's uh and the Windows support is coming along. We uh that's what we're going to be demoing at uh the, the Ignite Australia next week is showing off uh windows uh container you know, or building containers for windows. Mm. So yeah. That sounds like fun.
0: So is it that, it is, is that, uh, so I, I was, I was planning out my, uh, my DevOps Days journey this year. So is, is that some, is this some stuff I can expect to see on the DevOps Days circuit?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we have, uh, we have people who are, uh, we've got a community manager, uh, who's, who's, you know, he's about the most traveling in this guy at Chef right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's, he's hitting up as many events as possible. And, um, yeah, you're going to see a lot of habitat. Uh, also, a lot of inspec, you know, our compliance stuff. That's uh, taken off really well. So we're. Oh yeah. I think that. we're hiring a community manager for that too. So they're hiring to a whole lot. Hiring, yeah, it's crazy. Some some companies are actually hiring this year.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's a good that's that's a good opportunity. I'm going to be at DevOps Day Charlotte next week. I think it's uh, Monday and Tuesday. Whatever the numbers are for those days, I, I've, I'm speaking on the second day in the morning. And I got them to give us a code. I'm sure listeners are just going to hop on the opportunity. But if you register for DevOps Day Charlotte with the code SDT, you know, it stands for Software Defined Talk. It's not only 15% off. It's 25% off. And it's not really 15 plus 25. It's 25% off, which I think is even better. Uh, that's That's a tremendous savings that you can have unfortunately because because i've been so unavailable for so long uh i don't think we've really i guess we wangled it in last episode but we haven't had all month to promote it but you should come out there to devops day charlotte i think we'll have some books at our pivotal booth and you know i'm gonna pretend like i'm working while i'm there it'll it'll be fun i need to put together my talk too do you guys have any ideas
2: uh well we could look at the show notes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like, coach, okay, only one thing, containers. Containers, containers of the Got future. It. <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, just one slide with containers and that's it.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. We, we can say there's two types of software, software that's in the container and software that's outside of the container. And that'll, that'll, that'll be my Ignite talk. No, I don't have an Ignite talk. I have a 30-minute talk. Anyways, I actually have a talk. I just have to put it together. All right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sounds effective.
0: Well, it seems like uh, we'll get back to some mid-roll stuff later on towards the end i guess but uh yeah so it's been since december uh is that right you know brandon and i had uh, a, a, little, a while. Yeah. little conversation and uh you know it just, it's just scheduling is annoying when when life comes into play but uh there's been a slew of like acquisitions i think that are worth commenting on in in the space we seem to care about here the infrastructure software space uh since since last we talked the first one was the uh the interesting story of of Cisco buying app dynamics there's it seem, it seem, right. seems seems like there was a big write up i mean a, a big markup uh they were just about to i p o and then uh, they went from like i don't know what was it one point seven billion expected in an iPO to three point seven billion uh that they were yeah, purchased the, on y- yeah
1: yeah i mean i you know, <laughs> it's been so long that we recorded the when i when we started the show notes i actually put it in you know here's the sec filings you know dug into Mm -hmm. the numbers a little bit about you know their earnings and you know the quarterly projections and and then you know time passed (laughs) you know the holidays happened and and then uh had to go and update the show notes that well cisco bottom here's the multiplier um i think it was 16 17 something like that Yeah, yeah um yeah you know the the multiplier on earnings, um, you know, and they've got a you know really strong, uh, subscription based ARR model, which is uh, you know that that's a nice business to have. The question is
2: why Cisco. Um, well, I think yeah. that, and I also think like why that price, right? So, if I mean, you just think about it, right? You're like, well, let's just make the number a little bit more round. It's like, if the company publicly is going to value itself around two billion. And you're paying, you know, almost double. Like, yeah. what do you know, or why is it worth so much more that you own it, right? Because um, I mean, certainly a healthy, you know, premium, of thirty percent, you know, on top of like, you know, I think would be like a starting point, right? And so, I mean, it's pretty easy to see why App Dynamics did this, right? Because they're just like, well, we basically lock lock in a hundred percent gain, right, in our first year and that's a pretty you know that's a pretty easy um situation to say yes to but I, I don't know i just that's the part i just scratch my head like why why uh yeah why would cisco be thinking that and again like let's not fall into the trap of they're dumb and they don't get it they don't have you know people that know models i think they do but i just can't seem to get to my head around like what are they seeing that we don't that we don't know yeah well what- i mean
1: you know, they they must be laying groundwork for, you know, some sort of software play, but they pulled back on their OpenStack. Uh, well, they pulled back on on their public, uh, their federated cloud project,
0: uh, the intra cloud or InterCloud or whatever that was. Interconnect, I um, can't remember. No, that's an IBM conference. Yeah, you're right, cloud.
1: It might be the same, well, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it, it's how does this help Cisco with their core business?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it, I, 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 uh, what was I going to say? I haven't followed Cisco's portfolio for, ver- for recently, but they do have, they have had a, uh, uh, a, a so a systems management portfolio for, for a while. They bought, they bought some little runbook company called not manage objects, but something like that. Maybe it is manage objects. And every now and then they pick up these little assets and, and uh I I also like I mean AppDynamics Dynamics is basically APM, right? Like it's like a new relic APM y kind of thing. They don't have any I mean that's not 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 that that's bad, no, there's anything wrong with it, but that's they're basically APM, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So I mean I don't really know what uh what what Cisco's deal is nowadays, but there is a pattern. Uh, which I may or may not know something about. Uh, yeah, managed objects. That was the name of the thing where you're a hardware company and you're like, I'd like some of that sweet software margin. (laughs) And, and one of the, uh, one of the, one of the ideas that you have is that, uh, so let's look at the nature of the software stack nowadays and you're like, oh, it's all cloud. And so the nature of how you do systems management is changing. And then so if you look at those markets, there's this huge opportunity of of a switchover of market share uh, to new types of systems management. And ever, whenever you want to lay out a bunch of money, uh, you're sort of like, I want to leapfrog. I don't want to just buy the next, you know, uh, I don't know what you call a cow that's running out of milk, but the next, you know, withered cow that Mickey Mouse and Donald and Goofy are going to like milk and slice little beans off of. <laughs> Obviously, a pivotal cartoon of my life, which I reference frequently. Um, and so you want to buy the the next thing. And, and if you look at a, a SaaS based APM tool, it would seem like the only thing that, that you can, you can manage, uh, you can manage, uh, what am I trying to say? The only thing to do that has money. Other than have your own public cloud is to manage the cloud. And so you start looking at yeah. things like APM and I don't know, that would drive you to buy APM stuff. And then also handily, APM stuff usually also works with existing pre cloud IT. Uh, if, if, <laughs> uh, if you can land an agent on that side, so you're kind of like, it's, it's almost like a, a good acquisition. And then I would imagine also the dynamics of a, of a SaaS business. Once you look at their finances, it starts to be. You you can start predicting things, and it's a lot int- more interesting financial wise to uh, to to look at. Plus, you got a SaaS business. But yeah. I, I mean, I mean that said, sort of to wrap up my uh, my thing here. Again, I have no idea if that's like Cisco's deal. However, based on like when I did kind of follow systems management closely, I mean, I don't I don't know if Cisco has a good track record on software. So it is a little like the assets that i paid attention to that that have kind of like gone into cisco they they have the uh they don't always pan out so well but you know who knows i mean AppDynamics is a pretty strong brand and everything we'll uh we'll see yeah. what happens i mean it's yeah. a
1: strong brand with a good rolodex of customers and and maybe if they can put together a cohesive you know systems management portfolio of complementary products you know they're become like the next
0: bmc synergies boys <laughs> synergies
2: Well, I do think, you know, a couple of things, just looking at the financials, just I think Cisco had something around $70 billion, you know, cash on hand. So in some cases, right, it's cash in the bank. Cisco isn't really that helpful, right? It doesn't help their multiple. So definitely, even if they are overpaying, right, it's one way to allocate that. So that part makes sense to me. you know the other part that I think is interesting in these things is like the, I I like to call this like uh, one of these like startup SQL acquisitions because going mm-hmm. back I was I had to go back and do a little a little bit of research on the AppD founders um, had essentially sold you know a version of APM to CA and now CA Technologies as like Computer Associates then like seven eight years ago or seven eight years ago so obviously products has changed but there was even a lawsuit i guess between um app d and uh and oh, was uh, that, I, I thought I that was like, the
0: new relic people maybe it was both
2: uh i think it was the app d stuff because i went back i was trying to look it over and and so i think um now someone's gonna fact check me and, and tell me i'm wrong but it's okay you know alternative facts will live on here um <laughs> but uh You know, I just think it's interesting, right? Because, and I actually see, I just think you see this all the time. There's like some uh, security companies here in Austin where like one set of founders will essentially sell, like instead of like, you know, how developers we always say, uh, or one knock is the developers always want to re-architect everything, right? And then start over. And I think a lot of that is true (laughs) with like startup founders in like a known industry. It's like, oh my gosh, like if I was to start this company over, I would totally do it differently, and I just think it's a good example of yeah. you know them just doing that and um and of course, like one acquisition usually breeds uh, at least a couple of new people who will go off and start. Uh, their own company, often in a very close, if not the same industry. So I'm interested to see if the guys that started AppD or some of the guys that maybe did well but not super well spin off and they're like, actually, you know, the future of APM is, you know, content- container based, I don't know, whatever the next version of that thing would be. Machine um, learning. Cause we, yeah, cause we, or yeah, AI, whatever, you know, just keep loading in the buzzwords um because you just see this happen like over and over right in in technology like someone sells it and then they uh, start the same company only just slightly different so yeah. it'd be fun to watch <laughs> that you know i i've been painfully trying to go
0: through the audio version of thinking fast thinking slow so let, let me bust out with some some cognitive bullshit phrasing for the i don't know if it's like an availability bias but i feel like all of us have worked in apm so much that might be the problem of why we think this. But like I feel like the most replicated type of infrastructure software is APM. It's just like it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. It's just like, uh, let me guess, there's going to be some sort of metric generated by some thing that you want to collect that you're going to put somewhere to determine if things are going poorly or not. And if you're going to like blow someone's mind... You're going to actually simulate the time it takes for a process to execute and see if it's going okay, and and you know it, it, I I don't really know if uh, I think I think at one of your uh, alma mater is that how you say it at Boundary there was there was there was some experimentation with doing something new in this area, but uh, ultimately nope.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that one did. Uh, unfortunately, that did not work out. But I think you're right. I mean, but I would say I would broaden it a little bit because we the group of obviously the three of us know a lot about apm and monitoring but i would just go further and just say management any type of Mm -hmm. like if you have like management second name of your uh category network management system management denny management you know we go on and on like what you what you end up seeing is those are large enterprise sales so people who are successful in selling those companies they get a, a set of customers that they know pretty well usually using very Traditional enterprise sales techniques, right? And so, what they learn real quick is they stay close to those customers. And when they, you know, inevitably sell their product to another or their company to a bigger company, things kind of slow down. They become more like a cash cow, less like a startup. And that creates yet the next opportunity, right? And it's like, well, I know these people, right? And I've been talking to them for a while. And a couple of them have even told me they really would like a different version that did something, right? So, mm-hmm. You know, so they know everybody, right? And they, and it's, you know, I have, it's one of these things like, I don't, I think it's sort of just part of the cycle, right? Like, it's not, like, some people get very upset. Like, you sold the company and then you started the next one that did the same thing. It's like, this is, that's kind of how it works, right? This, this, This is the nature of software. So, I, so anyway, so management software, I guess, just to wrap that thought up, is like is very prone to that versus like consumer stuff because consumers are like very hard to get all the consumers to try something new, right? Whereas mm. it's not that hard to get ten, you know, lighthouse customers, right, in a group and being like, I'm going to build the next version of APM. It's going to be so much better than the thing that we used to use, and here's why it's going to be great. And remember how I delivered for you before, and I'm going to deliver for you now. And off they go. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, so so when you're doing M&A. Um, of these sorts of companies, do you, do you calculate into there a natural slowdown of the business, like like knowing that you know there's going to be hesitation from the early adopters, you know, the people who have you know traditionally been buying AppDynamics or the like? Do they say like, well? You know the business model looks great now, but people are going to get trepidation because it's now Cisco. Do you, does that calculate into the model?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, so for first of all, to give to, 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 <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> putting you on the spot, but yeah, I, I, I was going to say, first of all, to give a the helpful, the uh, the bullshit answer, I mean, you can do whatever you want, but in my experience and talking with other people, um, you know, this, this is this is the part that your corporate development iBanker banker part works on the most, which is the uh, the money part, right? Valuing the asset and then also thinking about the revenue going out in years. And there is, you can sort of—is um, the word handicap? I don't I don't know the tiny sport ball metaphors, but you can sort of handicap your revenue based on brand and perception and things like that, or you can do whatever the opposite of a handicap is. Um, I don't know, juice it. Uh, and, and so, like, I, I think, I think another part of your question, and, and I wrote another piece, uh, about there's some, some of the RethinkDB meltdown thing, and I was talking about how you gotta be careful choosing your total addressable market. There's another mm-hmm. revenue slowdown that you have to calculate, which is like, well, how much money is out there, and do we really think we can have more than 10 to 20% market share? So eventually you cap out over some amount of right. time. Um, so yeah, there definitely is, like, revenue limiting. I mean, I think, I think in this case, um, and what's the other, oh, other stuff. Uh, I, I think in this case, like, you know, you pulled out the, uh, the last three years of revenue, uh, from that filing. It'd be interesting to see what their, their, uh, their, their, uh, losses or OPEX or EBIT or whatever the, 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 uh, trendy way of putting that is, whatever their spend is. But I mean, their revenue looks like it's been growing pretty awesomely uh, over the past three years. And, and then the other thing, you know, as Cisco, what you would think is, um, you know, the first thing you would do is like, let's, well, let's take out some optimization. Cause like, they're going to get some fucking Fritos in the break room, not like artisanal pork rinds. Like, that's a bunch of bullshit <laughs> and so forth. And then also, work- and, and, and you can axe their HR and you, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you always, you have to be careful in an, in an acquisition like this because part of what you're acquiring is a new culture that said, if you, if you pull together, uh, HR, marketing and sales, whether it's from the buyer or the buyee, there's some axing that you can do there because there'll be redundancy. Maybe, right? Like it all depends. But then the main thing that you're going to do is, is basically like Cisco talks to everyone so they can like, uh, this is where synergies come in. They can start to sell more of it. So you ramp that revenue up. And I don't, I mean, I'm, 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 uh, I haven't really thought about this, but I'm starting to think that maybe, the break even point for software companies nowadays, which is to say they stop losing money, might be around like a billion dollars like I think there 's people like that Sas person who like sold some saAS thing and has a picture of himself with a headset and a helicopter like if I think if I paid attention to that guy more and that Tom Tungzid guy or whatever who has a nice piece on this, like they probably have some good theories about saAS break even. Um but I'm guessing like most software companies in this space, like once you reach a billion dollars or you get really close to it, it's probably when you start breaking even and, and achieving profit. And so if, you know I don't know. I, I mean that's that would be the question is like what amount of revenue does App Dynamics need for it to be profitable? And then you start coasting off of that. And because if you're to, to to stop my rambling, the other thing that at least a responsible corporate development person would put together is when do we pay off this asset? And then when do we start making profit on this asset? Because every corporation will have a, uh, what's it called? An IRR. It's it's basically uh, whatever a rate of return is, if you just sort of like put that money in like bonds or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And basically like to be responsible, it's sort of like, well, uh, we have to at least beat that. Right. Like otherwise we could have just made money for free doing nothing. So at some point, the business case has to uh, beat whatever your IRR is. So some people have figured out what it looks like. And, you know, usually I'm I'm pretty sure the people at Cisco are probably rational deal makers and they wouldn't have like blown out their spreadsheet with a uh, 3.7 billion thing. I mean, they don't have the Trump team working on stuff. So I think they're actually capable of uh, <laughs> using a toilet.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> and I'm sure that 70 billion is, you know, they're like making that, that calculation you just talked about.
2: Yeah. Well, I do think it's always interesting to wrap on this, you know, just like winners and losers, right? Like who was excited by this? I think I think New Relic, I think those guys were generally excited. I think they will yeah. just update their decks and be like, see, Abdi couldn't com- uh, compete with us, and Cisco's so is going to slow them down. So I think they probably are not that worried and probably feel good about it. I think the guys at Datadog are just ecstatic. They were just like, oh my God, somebody just bought this company for almost $4 billion. And that means we have to be worth, you know, at least two billion dollars. Um, so anybody in the systems management you know, APM world, I think, is probably feeling pretty good about themselves. I do think, unfortunately, because I'm a shareholder in Zenoss, think Matt raised. Mm. I think it's not you so good Zenoss. <laughs> I actually don't think it's very good for Zenoss because they are always at the Cisco shows and they're a lot of times in the booth, but um this would seem to be and again it's not 100% it's not apples to apples but it does seem to think that they sort of pass it on It is fruit, to also, fruit yeah it's kind of fruit to fruit so exactly. I, unfortunately um we still need everyone to, uh, you know, um, support this podcast because Matt Ray and I did not we did not make any money on that. Um, so it'll be interesting, but it'll be interesting to see it play out over time. And um, and then, of course, uh, the, the biggest winner of it all is, is Nagios. Uh, during this uh, period <laughs> of uh, reinventing systems management and uh, AppD and all this reinventing it, Nagios has been uh, downloaded like 17 trillion times and is still the most frequently <laughs> used um a systems management platform out there so uh, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to uh what is it, ethan no evan yeah e- ethan <laughs> uh congratulations oh he wins again today gaius <laughs> continues to be the leader and will can always be the leader in my opinion
1: <laughs> yeah you, you can't kill them yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> always <laughs> living never dying
0: always.
1: yeah yep yeah. Yeah. They're gonna well, be there with the dinosaurs.
0: But in, in, but there have been some other acquisitions. In other acquisition news, yeah. the uh the the, com- the Australian company everyone loves who has absolutely no sales or marketing people, even though I've met with them and worked with them. Uh <laughs> I it must have been some sort of fever dream I had when I was in San Francisco several years ago. Um, you know, who who knows what happens in that that place. Uh it, it the uh, Atlassian bought Trello for what was it? 4 425 million, which is yep. which is I have to say, I mean Trello, nice product. The most shocking thing was that amount of money and 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 I guess like I guess I guess what do I know? But like uh right. Trello must be mega popular.
1: Yeah, but I I don't even know if I would pay for it. I mean I, is it free? <laughs> there there are free it's, tiers yeah. for sure. Okay, okay. Um but that's that's a whole lot of uh a whole lot of Kanban boards and, and whatnot. I mean four hundred twenty five million is, is a, a shockingly large amount. Um I think uh uh well there was a, a public write up on, on the four five one group that about it um And and various articles, other places that uh, you know, it's not the revenue that. uh, Well, you know what? What do we know? External public, you know, external speculation. But it wasn't the revenue that Atlassian was buying up as much as protection of their business model. You know, Mm. Um, you know, it's not like I mean, contrasting the the AppDynamics acquisition. You know, AppDynamics is not exactly competitive with Cisco. You know, it's not a threat to what they do, um, but Trello is in Atlassian space. You know, they're in that that APM, uh, not not the monitoring space, but the management of uh, of uh, productivity of ap- application, whatever APM stands for. Um, so it's more defensive. It, it's you know, hey, this is complementary to what we do. Let's do this, so you know, we don't have to worry about Trello down the road. That's the take, at least on the Wired write up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could see that. I mean, it is, it is like, I, I, you know, I have never actually, uh, used Atlassian products except sort of from afar, but yeah, Trello is, is pretty nice. Like I, and I I think internally I've actually seen people at, uh, at, uh, non-development people at Pivotal using it quite a bit recently, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a nice way of doing things. It, and, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, does, does Jira have like Kanban stuff in it? Like, they're still like a like a Bugzilla descendant, right? Not really like a like a no, re, rethought I, out project management thing.
1: They have uh, Greenhopper. They they have something for mm-hmm. doing, and it's it's not that great. And and so yeah, you know, we you know we use a lot of oflassian products. We use Jira, uh, uh, but we also use Trello right and and we've but we, there's a lot of products in this space you know a lot of little ones i think trello's the biggest but uh i'm just drawing a link on on who else is out there but yeah you know we, um it's it doesn't strike me as something that's you know particularly lucrative with a huge untapped market
0: yeah well i, um, I mean i i i would i would just again just sort of like generalize to try to be a uh armchair professional on on this kind of stuff like Other than, other than for the technology itself, right? Which is sort of like, here's a Kanban board that developers and, and everyone, every Atlassian person can use. It seems like there's two other moves you would have. One is, uh, I've noticed that when you're a public company, you're constantly trying to describe to your investors how you're getting into new markets and adding new types of people. Mm -hmm. I think in, in my mind, service now is the infamous example of this. Like I think every year for the last, uh, I don't know ten years ServiceNow is like we're gonna manage the software that the DMV uses. Like they're always talking about how their uh their request processing engine is gonna use for be used for other workflow uh things outside of IT, which you know yeah. that's great for them. Good job. Yeah. Git
1: GitHub and three D modeling.
0: That's right. Get ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I could see, and I, you know, I don't really think it seems like, given that they don't have any sales or marketing people, the Atlassian people wouldn't think like this, but it does sort of say, like, here's, here's us expanding our, our, our TAM, the, all the people that we sell to, to include, like, people who don't code, marketing and creative people and stuff like that. So that's kind of interesting. And then, I mean, I also think that, like, it's, it's, and this is kind of the first point, but it could be the equivalent of, like, uh, Sort of like, I always think that the best tech acquisition ever was when Microsoft bought PowerPoint for like a couple million dollars in the early nineties or late eighties. And if you just think about like just everything that PowerPoint is, they got that really cheap and, and it, yeah. it's, it's like had lots of payoff in monetary, cultural and every, every sort of way. And, you know, in, in, in a sense, it seems like of all the Kanban things and project management, at least in my mind, which again is highly biased by some sort of thing in that Home. I'll hopefully get through one day. Uh, like Trello is sort of the winner conceptually, right? Like they're really good, they work well, everyone knows about them, and so maybe if you just left that thing to be, it would actually expand really well and uh, do well on its own. But I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's, it's probably just a good product and doesn't seem too crazy that they bought it. And I would assume I don't know how many paying customers Trello has, but it's kind of like the App Dynamics conversation we had is like, well. Unless it's a terrible business, <laughs> it's probably okay. That's
2: that's my analysis. Probably okay. Probably well, the okay. Uh, the move I've seen here, you know, that I guess this acquisition reminds me of the most is just the simple, um, the old cross sell upsell. Like, hey, you guys have this massive community that you are quote unquote not, you know, um, selling to at all. So why don't we go ahead and buy this, cross-sell them some other Atlassian products, and uh, raise the price and actually put a team of uh, inside sales guys on following up on all the leads, right? And we think we can actually make good money doing that. And, and, so, and sometimes the community, you know, rejects that or the users reject that. And sometimes the... Uh, you know, sometimes it works fine, right? Sometimes yeah. it's like, yeah, there's just a bunch of people just sitting there like, yeah, and you know what? No one ever called me. And I just, you know, I just kept using the free plan, but you're right. I got, I got money. I got a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars to set it up. Yeah. Um, so that'd be my, my, you know, my guess is what happens there. And,
0: and I, and I think as Brandon always tries to bring in on MA talk, like who are the, uh, who are the losers, if you will, or, or the other stuff. And, and uh, you know, along the lines of what you're just saying, I think there's an interesting thought experiment of like, you know, what if Salesforce bought Trello? Right. Like, that's an interesting thought exercise right. in the sense of um, never minding my thoughts about people who don't know how to use Salesforce or if it actually does anything. But let's assume that Salesforce is used as sort of like the way you run your sales operation and keep track of it. And, uh, it, you know, the idea of using something like Trello to basically project manage all of your uh, sales, sales transactions and projects that seems like it would be pretty awesome. But in that case, it would be kind of like a much more far-fetched thing of like, well, this is a market that has never shown an aptitude for doing anything other than typing really quick emails to people and calling them with unscheduled calls. Uh, so, you know, who knows if they'll use this, but it, it, w- it would seem like an interesting hope for uh, adding some, some organization to an otherwise chaotic process. And uh, yeah, I don't know. See that's probably enough money that all the individual workers get a good payoff from it and uh they probably also like I mean another thing you always consider in uh, acquisition is like is everyone just going to quit because there's a bad cultural fit which I I I don't think the Trello people would would quit from Atlassian I, I bet I bet they got the artisanal pork rinds <laughs>
1: <laughs> They do they do I Atlassian's got uh very nice offices. I don't know if they had artisanal pork rinds, but you know they have. They've got lunch. Uh, you know they they
0: bring in lunch and they've got the, all the drinks and and snacks. It's good, good mm-hmm. place. You know I was out in San Francisco for our uh, annual team meeting for the we're not evangelists we're platform advocates for the advocate <laughs> team, and we were at the 875 Howard Street. And man, I love that start off life. You get they get breakfast in the morning, <laughs> free lunch on Tuesday. That's, I'm, I'm sad to report they don't have no longer have sriracha cashews, but they do have this one drink that is, it's not watermelon juice, but it's made out of what's described on the side as watermelon juice and watermelon rind juice and a little bit of ginger. I think those, those are delicious. And there's some sort of jittery John coffee drink that's, uh, they have a, they have a Brazilian nut, which I don't recommend that. There's a bunch of sediment in the bottom and it just tastes like dirt. Ah. Um, But then they do have a Vietnamese coffee, which miraculously, now I don't know if condensed milk has sugar in it, but on the list, there is no sugar on it, which is which is a miracle. And uh you know, we got a lot going on there at the office, including kimchi for breakfast, if you want that, which I think is that's 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 a trend waiting to happen. So speaking of, of uh the color red, the last one I think that we'll have time to go over is Oracle buying a how do you say it? API, Appery. It's uh, you know, I actually talked with their CEO a while ago. I think I had a podcast with him, even. Although I get him, I, I I get that podcast confused with the rainforest one. No, no, I talked with him. We it was one it was one of the original pivotal conversations episodes I had. Where uh, I was like, I was like, isn't microservices just SOA? And we had a good conversation. <laughs>
1: And he 's like, "I will stab you sir
0: <laughs> that 's right. I do not have a stick sharp enough to put in your eye. I think it 's the general reply you get from the kids on that question." But uh yeah, you know, I, I think uh I don't think the amount was disclosed. If I remember, uh my my buddy Carl Lehman uh wrote up that he was estimating there was, I don't know, two or three million in revenue that, that they were having. Uh they were having mm-hmm. and uh you know, I, I think I was trying to do some swagging in a blog post I had about what the um the market of the API management market is. And I think right now it's kind of estimated at like almost $700 million and going to grow larger. I mean, Apigee is the big owned by Google now, the big player here. And to be clear, uh api uh they really are just design and documentation for the API economy, uh, which well, you could mm-hmm. think of them as the rational rows of, of API stuff. If, if you're old, oh. <laughs> you know, that was, that was a, you remember when you would select some code and right click and you would have a bunch of UML diagrams. That was like some fucking magic right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere in a box is a certification for, for that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, I have to say it's sort of a curious application in so much as, I have no idea what the fuck Oracle's real cloud strategy is. So it's hard for me to even imagine what's going on there. The, before, before I, I stop monologuing. I mean, Oracle does, uh, as long as you remind them that they should publicly say they don't, as we saw this summer, they do have the Java world and a huge programming community. So it would make sense that they would yeah. try coding yeah. tools like this, but it is, they're just like, uh, you know, in addition to one of their co CEOs like being a Trump advisor, they're just overall like a very shifty company. Uh, which I guess at this point I'll never be able to work for. But like, it's hard to know exactly what they have going on, so it's difficult to speculate what their deal is. And and to use well, my ongoing yeah. joke, I don't think they have artisanal pork rinds.
1: <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, pork rinds are for closers. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to. Oracle is is also, you know, like Cisco, they're they're going through a transition of sorts where, you know, the things that you identify as their traditional business model have changed or are changing. And where does this fit in the things that they do? You know, it would be uh fun to have, you know, somebody sit down and explain their vision. Um then, you know, maybe uh the next uh Open World or Java World, or whatever they call these days, you know, they'll they'll sit down and, and tell us how they're, they're conquering the cloud again. Um, maybe maybe it fits in there. Uh, you know, with with Google's acquisition of Apigee, you know, you can kind of see well, it fits into this you know developer first uh, cloud vision that they're having. And Oracle says that's what they want. You know, they want to be the the developer yeah. cloud. Uh, but you know, I don't. I just. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how that that gets rationalized, if you will. Yeah, yeah.
0: You got anything on that, Brandon? What what do you think? Oracle's not the only one buying things. (laughs) What 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 do you think? What do you think of uh, of 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 Oracle spending money on developer
2: tools? I think you know. I I, it kind of comes back to this, like the cloud, you know, market in general. Like, I you know. I always think of Matt Ray as like the most leading edge of all of us uh, <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's like, listen, if you hang out with the Matt Ray crew, I mean, it's just nothing but these companies are dead and like, why are they doing it? And I get, I mean, I see that side of it. I totally do. But then it's like, right, you know, I, when I come to work or when I just like talk to other people, it's like, man, everyone else, is, a lot of other people are just like, man, this cloud thing is just confusing. And just lots of stuff is being bought, like, and used, right? Not, I don't I'm I'm not going to say like massive growth, but there's just so many things that are people are trying to figure out, and it's just so complicated. Like you know, like our, you know, whether it's containers or managing your APIs, or I've got all these Java, you know, uh, EE applications, or I've got you know, I'm trying to do some Node, or I want to do this new Swift thing. It's, um, I guess it just like the mar- the real market. I guess in my mind is so fragmented. And there's so much confusion going on that, yeah, for, like, a reasonable acquisition, solving some pain points, like, I see why Oracle could roll that in. Just kind of, like, Google did yeah. with their API and do all, do all right. And, like, it just kind of, like, it's almost, like, not even so much strategic. Like, hey, man, we just know you got this problem. We're going to try to help you solve this one. And we're just going to all just keep rolling forward, trying to re-architect everything into microservices. But it's going to take, like, 25 years. So, yeah. and, and, you know, and and everyone and, just gets... Get saddled up and let's do it. And to a point you were making
0: earlier, um, you know, I, I went and actually looked at the blog post that I made. Uh, Carl's estimate was that like, uh, uh, API or appery was like somewhere south of five million in revenue. And, and I think they'd gotten around five or six million in funding. So, you know, if you're Oracle and you're looking at like, let's say a, a 10 to 20 million dollar acquisition, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Larry spends more on tennis socks a year than that. So it's like really not that yeah. big of a deal. Now that said, uh, money is money and, and you don't get to be Oracle and other people by just willy nilly spending money. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, I think that's a big sort of like misconception about acquisition we are like, Oh, they just spend money. Like it, it's very hard to just spend money. Um, but,
2: well, there's that, but also I do think you're right. Like about, you know, we're kind of, We're working off the opposite end of the spectrum from the Cisco thing. It's like there is a point, though, where the risk of any large company that even if it has the resources to build and launch any kind of product, even if it's in an existing well known market, it can be incredibly expensive if they do it wrong. Like it is really not that hard for any large company uh, to spend five, 10, 20 million dollars in kind of soft cost people time right and and end up with nothing to, i mean literally nothing to show for it yeah yeah right. so, so in, in that in that sense that- so like here if you spend 20 and you get five it's like yeah but i was guaranteed to get five and i can just start selling it right away so right away your risk is so much lower and yeah. you know this and the number is so much lower that's like okay fine even if we were wrong so be it you know we only lost 15 million dollars that we're still going to make back in a different way yeah and and and, and then and then not to uh not, not to
0: be totally ignorant of it and also not to like insult the acquiree. Like, t- correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt Ray, cause, cause as, as, as Brandon said, you actually <laughs> know what you're talking about. But, so if I remember what APIRE does, there's, there's some wonderfully named product called Swagger. Where I'm sure Markdown is involved somewhere. You, you like basically, <laughs> you basically use Markdown and some dsl kind of thing they have. And you as an architect, designer, developer, you kind of write up what you, what you want your API, literally your API to look like the, the interface for it. And there's a way of publishing what that looks like so that you can start to like share that and have it and it'll update. And I'm sure it hooks into all your Jenkins nonsense. Um, yep. And and then I think if I remember, there are also some tools to check for compatibility and, and I wouldn't call it testing, but to make sure that you're not screwing things up and to kind of have a sense of what things look like. And then obviously, maybe not obviously, but obviously, if you've been a programmer of stuff, there's some some code that will like stub stuff out for you. So it's trying to automate as much as possible the design of your API and also doing not just like lint checking, but doing some some good uh, uh what's the word integrity checking and and catching a bunch of oh fuck moments when you change the api and also documenting them and publishing it and stuff like that yeah
1: i mean that's that's it in a nutshell right
0: which 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 is like like i remember when i was getting briefed on this i was in the uh, the heavy bit offices back when i was an analyst uh very nice offices uh and um uh yeah, I mean, that seems like a great technology. So I think, I think to build on what Brandon was saying, like, I mean, if I, if, if I had a kitty of, of cash to spend, I mean, it makes sense as a, and again, I don't mean this to be insulting to api but sort of like an experiment of a thing to do that would be relatively low cost and could have a, a good payoff for, uh, for Oracle, because I think obviously, Having good API management, uh, all the way back to one of my favorite books, Effective Java, is the core of what Java is and should be for, like, enterprise cloud sorts of stuff. Obviously, you should just use Spring Cloud for that and uh, be a pivotal <laughs> customer. But with that, before we get to recommendations, why don't we go to our uh, end roll, mid roll? I, I already uh, hustled the uh, the DevOps Day Charlotte uh, appearance. Remember, It's next week, so you got to listen to this thing quick and you can use the code SDT to get 25% off. What do you got for us, Matt?
1: Uh, I'm going to be at the uh, AWS Sydney user group tomorrow night uh, talking about Chef and uh, the uh, uh, OpsWorks for Chef Automate platform uh, that Amazon's got going. And uh, next week, I'll be at Microsoft Ignite Australia on the Mm. Gold Coast. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we'll have a, a booth there, and uh, registration for ChefConf is going on. It's going to be uh, coming up in Austin in just a few short months. So, uh, oh, that's not You know, I think my I, talk will be
0: accepted. Yeah, I think I think I submitted a talk there too. There, Matt Ray, right? can you can you can you work your your magic get my talk accepted? Well,
1: yeah, we we have this whole like uh,
0: double blind names removed. Yeah, thing. you know, we're I trying to. Get I uh I I submitted some talk recently and it said it was using that and and I was uh I was of a schizophrenic mind about it. I was like, yeah, that actually sounds. I mean, I read that Malcolm Gladwell book and and also like you know the internet. On the other hand, I was like, yeah, but I'm Cote. You should really. Me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, see, see. – <laughs> oh Cody. <laughs> yeah uh mm, that there's a lot to unpack there uh yeah, we'll save yeah. that for uh you you could you could talk to uh
0: i i I, uh, I would just like the record to show that i am often complimented for my wry sense of humor so okay uh, that's that's we'll, we'll that's what that i'm humor. saying there yeah. yes yes yeah.
1: yeah so yeah so the the key is if if uh you know, try to punch up your, your talk submissions. Not not you, Code. You're always punchy, but uh you know, if if you're submitting a talk, try to make it different, interesting. Think uh if you go to a lot of conferences, what would be something um catchy? Yeah. You know, uh if, if you're if you're trying to sell me on, you know, API management, you know, call it you know, bring the swagger back to swagger or something. Hey. I don't know.
0: That's a joke. Hey, right Well you know there what you, you, know, you know what maybe they should do is just have a live recording of this podcast. maybe they have a media room that they don't need at some point just anyone who wants to have a live recording of this podcast you should ask us about it that would be great i don't know why people don't ask us
2: well i just i did want to put out one thing about this uh the speaker submissions thing like i I think there's an important inverse coalition everyone should know about like the people that are good at giving talks are also very bad at writing abstracts so Mm -hmm. you just gotta like you gotta know. Like, I'm just, it's a different skill set. The people that, and oftentimes the people that write the abstracts aren't the people that give the talks. So, yeah, yeah. So I, if you're I, doing I, that yeah. double blind thing and you're like, just remember, could be some uh, some false positives in your abstract yeah. identification there. I, I so will also add
0: there. that I have been in like three or four like talk review things. I don't like that job. People who do it, I'm glad you're doing it and I'm not doing it. It's
2: very, yeah, difficult. it is. It is a very thankless job. Yeah. Absolutely. But you can, you can pick up a lot of times, it's easy to pick out the ones written by marketing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Synergies, Synergies. Mm. synergies, mm. gifted. That's so. But that, that, therein lies the thing. Like because it was written by marketing, sometimes the means the speaker they're going to send is going to talk on something totally different. And it's going to be great. So that's that's your real dilemma. That's what you have to figure out. It's, it's that tough.
1: is that is the lemonade out of lemons view. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Well, I, I before we get to recommendations, I have some self promotion I want to throw out there. So one uh i i've been i've been uh trying to refocus my blogging to be handy to like you know once i win the lottery to like build up my my ben thomas like empire Tom- man what's his name brandon ben thompson ben thompson, ben thompson. Yeah,
2: yes from, uh,
0: i gotta build out my empire right and so uh i've been i've, yeah, been, trying, do it. I've been trying to blog more regularly I'm, I'm even trying to think of like a column i do weekly but if you go to cote.io you should check it out i'm trying to do some stuff there now if you're not in the whole blog thing, I also have a newsletter. I moved it over to Mailchimp, but if you go to cote.io and go all the way to the bottom, you'll see a newsletter subscription and every week it'll send you the stuff that I thought was good enough to blog about, which is mostly links. But you can subscribe to that. Also, I think Matt Ray gave the best review of my book review about uh automation and stuff, which is I have a <laughs> I have a grim review of the computers taking over uh and sort of like you know what what I think us nerds should do about it there's i was delighted that on the facebook post john allspaw of all people left a comment he's he's so polite he was basically telling me i was full of shit but he did it in a very good way <laughs> and he had a reference to a 1983 paper on automation that i think was uh was a pretty good read it was it was you can tell that it's kind of from the uh the allspaw cool school of thought it's got it's it's uh definitely worth looking into so check out the blog subscribe to the newsletter check out my book review over on the new stack all of these will be in the show notes at softwaredefinedtalk.com, uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 86, if uh, if I remember. Now, with that, recommendations. Now, I'll, I'll go first because I'm talking. But uh, so I already recommended go right to your Costco and fu- buy some Ray-Bans. Excellent discount. The only problem is like we bought my wife's Ray-Bans at Nordstrom, and you can basically go in there at any time, and they'll just replace them if you make up a good story and adjust them like Nordstrom's awesome but there's like $200 Ray-Bans versus like 136 all in with taxes. So, you know, whatever. My other recommendation is uh so back at Costco. I saw this this weekend. I don't know if they have it in Australia, but here here in in the states they have this gigantic jar called the uh did I already recommend this? Maybe not. But I'm going to recommend it again. It's it's the Hatch Valley Flame roasted green chili sauce. I just had some of this on a frittata that I made. It's so delicious! You should just buy some. It's uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really good stuff. I think uh, I, th- I think that's worth looking into. So what do you what I have do a lot you got? Of hatched chilies here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was it was uh, it's it's good stuff. So I think I have recommended that before, but I just want to underscore that you should definitely buy that. It's it's uh, it's good stuff. What do you what do you got for us, Matt Ray? Uh new run the jewels album
1: um there was a uh, uh well what they call it a christmas miracle um uh, i think on, on christmas day uh, run the jewels three came out um pretty much uh picks up right where the last album left off really if if you're into hip-hop if you're into uh lp and killer mike uh you can't go wrong and uh, the price is right it's free so i was mighty disappointed to see that their world tour did not involve the southern hemisphere mm. um Mm mm. But uh my my other my other recommendation is uh you know we've uh, kind of skirted the issue, but uh uh you should go donate to the ACLU. Um that's that's my recommendation. I'll just leave it at that.
0: Yeah, that's probably a good idea, you know.
2: Uh yep. How about yourself, Brandon? All right, well, uh, you know, Christmas is uh, long uh, come and gone, but I, I did want to recommend uh, a little gift I got. So here in Austin uh, is, I think, the home of uh, the Yeti cooler, which is like this incredibly expensive uh, cooler that can keep things cold for a crazy amount of time. But then Yeti actually did expand into the world that I care about, which is uh, a nice tumbler. Right. Mm. Um so but the problem with the Yeti tumbler is it is insanely expensive. It's like forty nine dollars. So using the Whoa. power of the internet, I did some quick uh um research and I got a uh RC Ar- Ar- Arctic spelled R C T I C tumbler off Amazon for I think it's like eleven bucks. And I will say these things are incredible. Like you actually can uh Chill or, or – I'm more of a cold drink person, but I guess you can do the same with uh, with coffee. You can actually uh, keep your, your, your water your soda or whatever iced tea cold for an extremely long time, and it's great to have on your desk because it doesn't sweat, doesn't get messy. So I would say uh, don't buy the Yeti one because there are many, many uh, reviews, and there's even a lot of people on YouTube who will show you that – all of these things are pretty much the same. And some people have said there's like a Walmart version that's even cheaper. So just find your discounter of choice, buy yourself a, a, a Tumblr, and um, er- everything will be great. Yeah, th- those those
0: are I have I've seen those at uh, Bucky's and like Walmart. Those those are uh, mm-hmm. those are all around. Here. Also, I have to say another plug for DevOps Days. The the best way to get yourself a uh, over the top expensive Yeti tumbler is to go speak at a DevOps Days event. That seemed to be like the, top, <laughs> the the top speaker gift of 2016. So much so that I think I have like three or four of them or something.
1: Oh, I, I'm drinking out of my DevOps Days Austin Yeti Tumblr right, right now.
0: Yeah, you know, I have oh. to say, I, I don't, I don't, uh I want to believe in the yeti, the yeti thing. I love their ad campaigns too, but uh you know, who, who knows? I, I think, I think, yeti and Patagonia should come together. I think that's,
2: a I think that's the match. <laughs> they, they do see now that is an acquisition that would do well. I, I think, I think, trade. very I, I think, I and think, and everything the, should be sold at REI. All of that, yeah. they should exclusively sell everything. Oh. At
0: I think, I think, if you were to look at the customer base of each of those the Venn diagram overlap would actually be shockingly small i think i think the yeti people You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people who may not buy into the whole hippie shit thing, right? And then I think it's the same way on the other side that like you would really have a good market expansion. You, it would be one of them, it would be uniting the right and the left, uh, strongly together. And, and, and both of them have shown a proclivity to pay way too fucking much for commodity stuff. Uh, so, (laughs) you know, you're all set. I mean, I bought one of those like $320, like Patagonia hoodie things. I don't know why. Like, I could probably go to Cabela's and buy, what is it, the, the Red Duck, some Red Duck brand of something for, like, five bucks and be just yeah. fine. But, like, I feel a lot better with, like, $300. Well, in my
2: fairness, bag. like, hey, man, it's okay to pay a little extra for a brand. Like, we've all done it. But uh, there's the moment where we're Yeti, I think they would have looked too far. But, like, hey, if someone gave me a Yeti uh, Tumblr, it's great. I'd use that, too. Yeah. So, you know. Well,
0: those are good recommendations. One. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. Which you can find at softwaredefinedtalk.com. The show notes for this episode are available at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 86. We've had a lot of really nice reviews and ratings over the past several months. I even put one of them on the about page, uh, the one that we, we read recently. I think, I think it characterizes the show at least the way I would like to think about it. But if you like this show, uh, it would be it would be a tremendous favor if you did at least one, if not all of the following. One, you know, I don't want to get all Ezra Klein on you, but it would be great if you went into iTunes and left a review or a rating. That helps for things. Or if you are on Overcast, as most people are, you can just go to the little show notes and click on the recommend thing. Our uh, what's the some some chipset person is is always not always, but frequently recommending them, and I, I like to encourage that person by putting screenshots in. But that's fun uh and it's also good if you just tweet about it or tell your friends about it so we can expand our our listener base cuz really we we just are doing it for for the uh people for for knowing that someone's out there listening and with that we'll see everyone next time Bye-bye. bye bye bye